spring is in the air at Global Voice Broadcasting. Fresh new shows are hitting the airwaves every day. Shows about all the things that matter to you in your life. Music, fashion, celebs, and more. It's all here, and it's getting better every day. Only at Global Voice Broadcasting. My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Pelvis. What comes to your mind when you hear that word? What about pelvic health or pelvic region? What did you learn about your pelvis as a kid? Chances are not a whole lot, which makes today's topic pretty darn important. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and today we are going to explore pelvic health, talking to kids about sex and more. Later in the show, I have a very special gift to share with you all, so definitely stay tuned. But first, I'm thrilled to welcome our featured guest, Missy Lavender, to the show. Missy is the founder and executive director of the Women's Health Foundation, a national speaker on pelvic health, and an author of several awesome books, including one I've had the pleasure of reading recently, Below Your Belt, How to Be Queen of Your Pelvic Region. Thank you so much for being here, Missy. How are you doing? I'm good. I how are you? I'm well, and I'm so happy to talk to you. I really enjoyed your book. And actually, it's interesting because the way my I have a pretty ADHD brain, and a lot of times it takes me a while to get through a book, and Below Your Belt <laughs> was <laughs> such a fun book to read, and I wished I had it as a kid. And I feel like if me and my attention span could really lock on, I think it's great for kids. So thank you for writing it. Well, you know what? I love the fact that there are 300-plus illustrations in August, and, and I have a daughter who's 14. So I understand the ADHD brain, ADHD brain a little bit, but yeah. you know, a lot of these things are deep inside of mysterious body part of ours. It's so important. I mean, think the picture speaks a thousand words, right? Oh, it does. It does. And it makes it, and I think pictures are so important too, because it is this mysterious region for so many people. Could you talk a little bit about why it was so important for you and your co-author Jenny to write this book? Well, Women's Health Foundation, the organization I founded 13 years ago, is focused completely in improving women and pelvic health of women and girls. So we want women and girls to understand this part of their body, below the belt, as we like to say, or below your belt, as the book is called. But the problem is, is that so many of us were not brought up with um, moms that talked about this place very much, and we learned a lot of what we learned mysteriously from our friends, maybe when we had an experience that wasn't so great. And it sets us, sets us up when we become adults to potentially have a lot of disorders below the belt. And I just felt it was important that we be healthy and we have a good pelvic health from the beginning. And if you think about girls, I mean, obviously they're learning so many important things. And when they get to about the age this book is written for, 10 to 14, they're having one of the most important life stage events ever in their pelvis, which is the start of, at some point of their period. And so 
you know, we wanted to write it because we do have such a, a passion for bringing this mission to life. We also both happen to have daughters. Beautiful. It's such an excellent mission and so timely in our in our culture today. And I really enjoyed the history section at the beginning, which again has these <laughs> lovely photos and illustrations. And I learned some really interesting things about it. The woman who invented the maxi pad, for example. Could you tell us uh, maybe a highlight of pelvic history that people might be surprised by? Well, I think the the concept of pelvic um, attention has been around for years and years and years. I mean, um, there are some things called pessaries, for example, we don't discuss in the book, but um, these are internal orthotics that women might wear if they're starting to have things drop or fall. And the rumor has that Cleopatra had one in her tomb. So for years, women have been dealing with um, issues below the belt, and yet not particularly well. For example, um, pads were only invented in the 70s. And I'm old enough to remember, um, you know, the horrible experience of a pad which had, a, which had like a garter belt and, and these snaps you had to snap it on. It was just awful. Mm. So the whole concept of panty liners and tampons are, are very new. And um, for many, many, many centuries, women did whatever they could do to take care of their periods um, in a not very in our opinion now, pleasant way. So I think, I think it's just important to know that there has always been attention to a women's pelvis. It's not always been as positive as it is now. Sure. And we've come a long way. That That's a really good perspective to keep in mind for sure whenever we are purchasing those products that uh, we're lucky mm-hmm. to have them. Absolutely. I love that the book starts also by exploring some of the very basics, including you know what exactly the pelvic region is. And I imagine... Some adults struggle to even explain that. What's one, you know, misperception, common misperception that uh, adults tend to have about the pelvis? Well, I, the concept of having a pelvic floor, August, I think, is always a head spinner, whether you're a girl or a grown-up or even a man. I mean, think about that word, floor. I mean, we don't really have floors in our body. That's odd. Mm-hmm. And it's a set of muscles that is so important and powerful for men and women but especially for women because um, these muscles literally support all of the internal organs of your body. I mean, it's the buck stops here, and yet it's not like you go to the gym and you're flexing your levator ani, which is a scientific name, and going, woo, look at how great I am. Look at how mm-hmm. strong my pelvic floor is. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's like, where are those muscles? What do they do? How exactly do I work them? Why do I work them? How long do I have to work them? And my older ladies are always so funny. They're like, how long do I have to do these exercises? And I say, well, as long as you're you're above ground. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny because when we think about fitness and exercise, it's all about, you know, the muscles that we see on the outside. It's not, you know, people don't think about that so much. And I love, love, love that you included a tour of female sexual anatomy because actually – Still on my blog, one of the most common links that people click is if you aren't familiar with where the clitoris is, click here for a medical diagram. Yeah. And it's amazing to me. And I certainly, you know, it took me a long time to to really grasp that. And there's this exercise that took me back to a college class when I was studying vagina monologues. It was the first time I looked at my own um, genital region with a mirror. Could you just talk yeah. about that a little bit? Sure. I mean... If you're a boy, right, your private parts are right there, and you look at them every day, and you touch them, and they respond to things. Um, but when we're girls, especially in our culture in in the West, you know, 
we are these are private parts, right? They're so mm-hmm. private that we're not even encouraged to touch them or know about them or really look at them ever. And so let's break the mold right right away. And as I said to my own daughter literally two weeks ago, how are you going to eventually know how to tell somebody what you like if you don't even know your own body? And you know, understanding that you have outer lips, inner lips, a clitoris, a vagina. What are those three openings? What's that other opening? Oh, that's where the pee comes out. That's your urethra. Um, those are conversations that we're not having in basic anatomy class. So I love that that you want to talk about sexual anatomy um, because obviously the reality is, you know, big girls, little girls, you know, we really aren't given a mirror, we're not really told about much more than the basic reproductive organs if we happen to have had a health ed class. Um, the clitoris seems to just be missing in that too. <laughs> it totally is, Okay, yes. you have a vagina, you have a uterus, you have a legend, you have ovaries done. Yep. Uh, yeah. What about the other part? Yes, there's a huge, huge gap in the education there. And whenever I ask guests, a lot of women who come on and tell their own stories, I ask them what they learned about their bodies and sexuality growing up. And usually it's very little to nothing. And as you said, they're, not only are they not encouraged to explore and understand their body, but they're taught that exploring is shameful and bad and mm-hmm. naughty and all these terrible things. So I love that this book is really empowering girls from a, a young age. And also, I imagine really helping the adults too, because I think that shame can carry on. And so many of our parents and grandparents didn't learn anything. So that's huge. Well, thank you for bringing that up because we were very mindful, obviously, and we are always mindful in anything that we do at the Child Foundation, that getting the information upstream, so to speak, is as important to us almost as getting it to the specific audience. So in this case, the book is written young enough. It's based on a research study we did in schools of 14 to 17-year-olds. And that study, which was published last year, was resoundingly showing us that these girls did not know much about their bodies below the belt. We didn't think they would. But they were already having their periods, for example. They had no idea why they were getting a period. So based on what they knew, what they didn't know, the experiences they already were having, we wrote it younger. And we hope that potentially the girl is young enough that somebody might be reading this to her. And to your point, it might be a mom, it might be an aunt, it might be a female caregiver, it might be your dad. Um, and anything that the grown-up can learn that then opens up a channel of dialogue for these young girls, in our opinion, is fantastic. Amen. Absolutely. And speaking of adults learning, I learned myself many things in this book. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because I'd never heard this before, that you have this wonderful Mm -hmm. potty pledge that I think is fantastic. And Mm -hmm. you recommend or you say that just in case peeing is not a good idea. And I'd never heard that. Like if you're on a road trip or you're just near a bathroom, may as well go just in case. What is wrong with that? Well, right. So many people think that that's the way to go. Preventative peeing, just-in-case peeing, God forbid there's not a clean bathroom peeing, right? Yeah. Um, what, if you think about the whole cycle of urination, August, the reality is the brain is in control of the bladder. The brain says, okay, I may have to go to the bathroom, but I'm doing this interview. You're just going to have to hold it if the bladder's starting to signal that it needs to go. And for most people, the bladder calms down, hangs out, waits till you get to the bathroom, and you go. What happens when you start to go just in case is the bladder typically signals that it has to go about halfway, and then it can really hang out till it's about got about two cups of urine in it, and then you, most women have to go at that point every three hours ish. 
little girls who have smaller bladders, by the way, so their, their cycles are going to be shorter. But when you start allowing the bladder to go when it's less than completely full, it starts, and, and we don't really understand this cycle. We just know it happens. Um, fascinating. Um, it starts to then take control, and it becomes bladder over brain, and it starts signaling much more strongly that it has to go when it's not full. And then you get into these cycles of frequency and urgency, which does have a clinical diagnosis called overactive bladder. So that is, that's a condition that affects easily 18 million women. They're, the numbers are underreported because of the shame and everything around bladder issues, but it affects a lot of women in the U.S. right now. And so we really like women and girls to understand that they really want to let their bladders fill up, give themselves the full, you know, three to four hours if you're a grown-up, and then go to the bathroom and not just go because you don't know when there's going to be another bathroom. Little boys, of course, we don't care about. It's like just stop by the side of the road. They can jump out and go to the bathroom. But our daughters, we tend to do that to them. That is so good to know. I love that. It's such a practical and preventative, like you said. I've heard of the the overactive bladder. You know, there's a lot of medications Mm -hmm. on on, uh, TV and stuff like that. But knowing that you can do something so simple to prevent it is so big. Well, we don't know if, let's just underline, we don't know if we could prevent that, August, because we really don't fully understand the overactive bladder. We just know that it's the bladder signaling uncontrollably. It's like spasming. Okay. So that's why some of these medications or Botox or these other things have been developed that can help it. They don't always help, but yeah, we certainly don't want to throw something at it that you know is not going to be a going to be beneficial for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. That makes good sense. And the, the menstruation section is just awesome. H- how can yoga poses help? I love that you explored that with uh, PMS symptoms. You know, at this age, we really looked hard at the exercise section because everything in Women's Health Foundation developed, all of our evidence-based programs, we have a component of movement and a, comp- a component of learning. Well, we don't want our 10 to 14-year-olds out there wildly keggling, you know, doing their pelvic floor contractions. They just don't need to. But we did want them to understand their deep postural muscles, so their front, back, and floor, which we call the pelvic pyramid, based on some work by one of our board members, Diane Lee. So when you have this awareness, it allows you to do all of your exercises in hopefully a different way. But the reality of, of PMS symptoms, and I hope everyone who's listening to this knows, they definitely decrease with movement. So having things like cat-cow stretches that can get your body moving, um, basic twisting positions that can get things going in your second and third chakras or your you know, solar plexus area and just help relieve those menstrual cramps. But the reality is any movement is better than no movement. So we say to our girls, you know, I know it feels counter. Um, intuitive when you have cramps, but you really do want to get your body moving in any way that feels good. Mm. Stretching, you know, feels good for anyone. Absolutely. That's excellent, excellent advice. So I'm sure that there are some parents listening who might feel a bit intimidated about, you know, taking that leap. It's sort of a mindset shift, I think, for many people to open up these conversations with their daughters, their nieces. And I'm sure your book is going to be an amazing tool for them. But do you have any words of encouragement or advice? Well, I, like I said, I have a daughter who's 14, and when when she found out she was 11 when we started writing this book that I was writing it, she was horrified that all her friends would know that she was the little girl whose mom's writing the flyer book. Mm-hmm. 
And then she got her period August about a year later, and I pulled out some information from the, the research study, um, showing her what cervical fluid looked like, showing her how to put in a tampon. Um, we had a tampon practice day because she had swimming the next day. Um, but just having her be able to understand her cycle because she was so worried about what she would do if she had an accident was life-changing for us. And she looked at me and she said, oh, my gosh, Mom, this is such a cool book. And mm. I just, of course, Aww. I thought that was fantastic. I know. But, you know, if a, a parent is uncomfortable, we think Below Your Belt is a wonderful resource. We wrote this book um, to be basically the big sister, if you think about it, from there's a wonderful book by the American Girl series called The Care and Keeping of You that you might buy your little girl or someone you know when they're about nine. It's a good health book for little girls of that age. And this book, like that one, we envision maybe somebody reading it to the little girl the first time, and then maybe it sits in her in her room and she can pick it up as you, as you or she feels comfortable doing so. So um, we really wanted to make it this approachable, usable tool for little girls and their caregivers. I love it. And I'll surely share the um, purchasing links and your website in the show notes. But for our listeners, could you share the best places to reach you or follow your work? Sure. I mean, you can reach me at Missy, M-I-S-S-Y, at womenshealthfoundation.org. And that's the website where you can find the book, womenshealthfoundation.org. It's also sold in e-readers, Kindle, um, on iBooks. Uh, you can get it through Amazon. We'd like to make it as available as possible. Um, so we're also open if schools would like to do things in bulk. We have arrangements to do that as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining me. I so appreciate it. August, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for asking all your great questions. So, so fabulous. I hope you guys will check out her book and start talking about your pelvis, learning about your pelvis and encouraging the young girls and women in your life to do the same. Speaking of talking to kids about their bodies and sexuality, Dr. Megan and I received an awesome question from a listener uh, named Ron who had this question. Ron wrote this, I'm a single dad to two girls ages four and five. Their mother only sees them occasionally. My five-year-old recently asked me how babies are made, and I'm at a loss for how to respond. She's also asked questions about her private parts. Again, I'm clueless what to say. I know that sex ed isn't limited and have heard you discuss that. What can parents like myself do at home? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I want my girls to grow up confident and assured, and this all feels Greek to me. Wow. Thank you so much for asking this question, Ron. It's such an important one. And thank you for caring so much that your daughters grow up feeling confident and sure about their bodies. It is so, so important. And I think that dads can play and should play a really crucial role in that journey. And it's wonderful for you to be the person that they can go to. Here's what Dr. Megan had to say. Ron, uh, again, this is a great question. Um, And you're raising it not only for yourself, but all the other men, or even just parents in general, that sometimes struggle to know what's appropriate to tell their children around those ages of four and five. Um, and again, you're a dad with two girls. So I think the first thing I would say that it's important that um, you certainly feel comfortable with this conversation, uh, sort of what's your energy around it. And if you're feeling in any way uncomfortable, and hopefully by the end of my response, uh, it's going to feel sort of easy and effortless. Uh, but it's certainly an opportunity to sort of role play, hear yourself have a conversation out loud, perhaps in front of the mirror, 
until in general you're feeling comfortable and relaxed because it's important that your girls know that you are sort of that go-to person, that you're trustworthy and easily approachable uh, and the sort of go-to person for this kind of information, especially on sensitive issues. And then it's important to recognize that four and five, you know, we don't want to overwhelm or flood them. You don't want to tell them too much information, only what's age appropriate. Because at that age, they don't really need to grasp sort of the actual mechanics of sex, and they certainly can't comprehend sort of the adult emotions of love um, and all that goes into making sort of consensual choices around sex. So you want to keep it sort of simple, like, you know, just describe uh, sort of the birth process and just sort of say that, you know, a seed comes from daddy and eggs come from mommy, and they join together in mommy's tummy. And then you could sort of say, and in her tummy, there's sort of this special place called the womb. And when the time is right, the baby squeezes out through the birth canal called the vagina. It's really that simple. Uh, I don't think they need to know any more or less. Uh, and it's also an opportunity to wonder and ask, hmm, so tell me more, or do you have any other questions? It's really a great question because you certainly want them to be comfortable to come to you at any time and sort of reflect back to them at any point that if you don't know the answer, that it's any question is, of course, an important one, and you're happy to look it up together or help her find the answer. Again, I think age four and five is also an important time that we give the correct name for body parts so that you refer to, uh, you know, when they're, their vaginas uh, and keeping their vaginas clean or if it's a boy, their penis. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many adults that I see in my clinical practice that sometimes are so uncomfortable with the word vagina, vulva, uh, because they were sort of raised in a generation when we sort of talked about down there or sort of wee-wee or pee-pee. In fact, it's one of the ice breaking exercises I do um, supervising uh, cl clinicians when they're going to start to have a sexual health conversation. Sort of the icebreaker is, oh, tell me, you know, what are all the names you heard for penis or vagina? And you get the, you know, uncomfortable laugh and <laughs> the silence and you can just sort of feel the tension in the room until people just start, you know, naming body parts as they are. And then you just feel that ease. Um, and that's exactly what you want to be instilling with your daughters is just that this is a appropriate conversation. All questions are important and appropriate and that uh, you're happy to be sort of their go-to person. Um, I think it's also an opportunity to begin to talk about the role of uh, privacy so that, you know, when and if they're curious about their bodies or exploring their bodies, uh, that that's something that they do alone in their bedroom, uh, you know, just sort of encouraging the fact that exploration is normal and, you know, that there is no uh, energy or emotion of, of shame. Um, it's just sort of welcoming exploration, but also certainly the, the importance of privacy. Um, and my biggest hope is that you're in this conversation laying the groundwork for future conversations, because I can tell you as your daughters get older, they're going to be all these changes in their body, uh, changes that come up with puberty. Um, and ultimately, as certainly as they approach their teenage years, you know, those more complicated sexuality talks. Um, I know American Girl has uh, books around uh, sort of approaching puberty and changes in the body, but those typically start around the age of eight. So again, um, I hope I've answered your question. I'm so glad that you've asked it. And if you have any additional questions, please, Ron, don't hesitate to ask. We're always here and happy to help. 
such fantastic advice. I hope that helps, Ron, and I hope that everyone out there with children also, you got some wonderful insight there. It's really starting the conversation. You know, that can be the hardest part. But when kids are asking you questions, it's so great to respond to them honestly and meet them where they are at. And, you know, obviously, if they're asking in public, you can always say we could talk about this at home. But without saying that this is gross and inappropriate or giving that impression that it's shameful, you know, really coming from a place of comfort. And I love that idea of practice the conversation and really saying the words out loud. Because if you're not comfortable saying vagina, then you're going to blush and squirm and all of these different things. And like Megan said, you know, kids are so perceptive. They pick up on that. And if they know you're comfortable, then they will be more comfortable too. Now I have a gift for all of you, which I'm so excited about. And I hope you enjoy it too. It's actually something that you parents listening can share with your tykes if you wish. It's totally derated. As many of you know, meditation has had a profound positive impact on my life for decades. I couldn't get myself to sit still long enough to even consider it. And now I can't imagine my daily life without it. Meditation has so many benefits from improved physical and emotional health and better sleep and better brain function and creativity to better sex. It's so, so valuable. So I decided to create a free gift, a guided meditation, which I'm going to record live here momentarily. If you're driving while listening, please hit pause or listen, but do not fully meditate at the wheel. Afterwards, I'll share how you can grab this free track to meditate anytime you like. It's super quick. It's under three minutes. So here we go. I hope you enjoy it. Before we start, find a comfortable position, then close your eyes or find a focal point to fix your eyes on. If your mind starts drifting during this, it's totally okay. Just do your best to refocus on your breath or my words. And I'm calling this quickie meditation Extraordinary Treasure. Hey there, beautiful. Yes, I'm talking to you. This is your subconscious speaking. Okay, it's August, but come on, let's pretend. Take a nice, slow breath in through your nose. Hold it for a moment. Now slowly exhale out through your mouth. That's it. Nice and easy. Another slow breath in through your nose. Hold it and release. Breathe from deep within, letting your belly move outward as you inhale, filling up like a balloon, then easing back down as you breathe out. Continue breathing slowly and deeply while I share a few important reminders. You are extraordinary, precisely as you are. Your beauty shines from within. It radiates outward like sun rays, warming those around you. No matter what you're going through, what you're challenged by or celebrating, whether you're feeling a bit lost or completely found, right here in this moment is exactly where you're meant to be. I so, so believe in you. 
the extraordinary treasure you are. Now imagine warm, shimmering light swirling through your body, from your head all the way down to your toes, sending waves of love to each and every part of you. Now imagine that light swirling out of you, reaching others, loved ones, co-workers, strangers you pass on the street. Let your beautiful love shine and kiss the day for others. Extraordinary treasure you are. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me for that. I hope it brought some light and inspiration to your day. You all totally do that for me all the time. So it seemed only right that I offer something extra special for you too. You can nab the audio track for free to listen to anytime you want on whatever device you want by signing up for my mailing list. It's going to be there in the next couple of days. You'll also get occasional doses of empowerment, roughly about once a month or so from me by doing so. And all you got to do is hop over to augustmclaughlin.com to opt in. If you have friends who could use reminders of their awesomeness or a dose of stillness or both, and who doesn't, send them the link to this episode or direct them to my website. For lots of sexy goodness, including free phenomenal workshops, hop over to thepleasurechest.com. I'm such a fan of this place. They've helped pioneer sex-positive culture since the early 1970s with a focus on education, enjoyment, and inclusivity. Yes, seriously, I can't say enough good about them. You can also find them by clicking the Pleasure Chest ad on my website. Again, that's augustmclaughlin.com. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll also subscribe on iTunes and consider leaving us a rating and simple review. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.